the edge of the familiar, where your comfort zone ends and the unknown stretches before you. That's where greatness awaits. Are you ready to take that leap? This is the Risk Big Podcast with your host, Travis Fitzwater. Thanks for listening to the Risk Big Podcast, Stories of Starts with Travis Fitzwater. Find episodes online with show notes at www.riskbigpodcast.com slash episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter by following at riskbigpodcast. Well, I'm sitting here with Bob Berg, one of my favorite authors, a best-selling author of multiple books, one that I really, really love, a co-author of the book The Go-Giver which is an excellent book with John David Mann. They co-authored it together. It's an excellent book on how to provide value. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a quick story. Uh, they put it in story form, which I think is incredibly fascinating uh, to talk about how do you really provide value to folks in your markets. And uh, really, I've loved the book. Bob, thanks for spending time with me again. Oh, my pleasure, Travis. Great to be with you. It's always great to have you uh, have a conversation with you. You've been a, a, a great friend, and I, I actually started the podcast in part because you encouraged me in January when I got to go down to Florida <laughs> and we sat down for breakfast. It was an excellent time. And you were very, very encouraging about me starting this podcast. And I'm very thankful for that. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. You've been, you become a, a very good friend and I'm, I'm, uh, I think, uh, I think the world of you. So thanks for the time. Oh, thank you. It's likewise. Well, you know, you have this storied career. You have, uh, you're a, a public speaker. You've spoken all over the world, all over the country. You do this often. You have coaching. Uh, you do. You specifically deal with sales and uh, a number of other things. How do you, uh, consulting folks on how do they learn how to provide real value to folks uh, in their sales careers or whatever careers are in? Can you tell us a little bit about the story of your beginning and how you got to where you are today? Well, I began as a broadcaster, first in in radio, doing sports, and then I got a job with a, a small ABC affiliate television station in the um, Midwestern United States, and I was in news, which I didn't really want to be. Uh, I wanted to be in sports, but that's, that's where the job opening was. Yeah. And after about, uh, I don't know, 68, 69 rejection letters trying to get my foot in the door, and they, I, I was asked, well, can you do news? Well, why not? <laughs> so sure. I l- loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly, although it wasn't, it wasn't Beverly. It was uh, small town, Oklahoma, but it was a lot of fun. And I, I, I enjoyed the people there immensely, but, uh, so I was the, uh, I ended up being the late night news guy and I really wasn't very good at it. I mean, I, I was 24 <laughs> years old. I had no knowledge of the news back then. And, and at that time I didn't really care. Remember, I wanted to be in sports so I could read the news, but that was about it. And, and, um, before long, I sort of knew that was not going to be, um, my field. And I graduated, I like to say I graduated into sales. Now, the the challenge for me at the time, Travis, was that I had no knowledge of sales. And so I floundered for the first few months. And eventually I, I was in the uh, in a bookstore. And this is back in the day. This is almost 40 years ago now. This is back in the days when when the main feature of a bookstore 
was books <laughs> as opposed to coffee and pastry and yeah. you know, all those great things. And so, um, so I went to the business section and I saw there was a sales section, which I, I, that surprised me. I didn't realize that you could learn how to sell, sell. I thought you just went in, you knocked on the door. I mean, that was the training I had knock on the door, talk sure. to people, tell her, right. That was it. Well, it wasn't very good training, but <laughs> that's what it was. And I, I saw a couple books in there. One was from, one was by uh, Tom Hopkins. One was by Zig Ziglar. And I got those books. I started really just studying them and, and really learning. It opened up a new world to me. It really did. And, and really within just a few weeks, my sales began to really improve dramatically. And yeah, what was the difference between where I was three weeks earlier and, and three weeks later? Well, I, I had a system. For doing something, there was a there was a way to get from point A to point B. In fact, I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. Um, the key being predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A consistently, and you'll eventually get the desired result of B. And so that really opened up uh, again a, a new world for me. I had no idea, and and from from there I began to really, as part of sales, now you start studying personal development and sure. reading all these great books like Think and Grow Rich and and How to Win Friends and Influence People and The Magic of Thinking Big and all these great right. So this yeah. was great. I was loving this. And eventually I worked my way up to sales manager of a company. Started sharing what worked for for me and others, and. Uh, uh, began a speaking career, and I've been doing that now for quite a while, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, your your content is excellent, and I, it was when I started, and I've told you this story a number of times, but when I started thinking about these thoughts and entrepreneurship and getting started and startups, all this stuff, what yours your book was one of the first books that I read. You and John David Mann's book, The Go Giver. Well, thank just you. A, just an excellent book that really kind of entailed. If you want to succeed, you have to provide value. It's this idea, and you say it. Or you say it in. Uh, almost every avenue you speak, but the, the, the process of sales for you is just providing value. And, and it's, it's an excellent book and we'll, we'll put, po we'll post a link in the resources of my, of this, uh, of our interview so people can get access to it. But the go-giver is an excellent start. If you're thinking about starting up and you want to learn about sales because the, the thoughts in there are incredible. Thank you. And so the book has five basic uh, or five laws Mm -hmm. That could you go through those just really quick and kind of detail what what those laws are in your from your book? Sure, and they're they're all based on a a very basic premise which you alluded to, and that is simply that shifting your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, Travis, we we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that understanding that doing this is not only a, a nice way, not only a pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. Why? Well, it's not for some, you know, way out there woo-woo reason, not at all. It 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 is totally congruent with human nature. And, sure. and here's what I mean. Uh, I often, when I speak at a sales conference, uh, the first thing I'll do, I'll, I'll ask a question. How many of you would agree with the following statement? Nobody is going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. 
And we all laugh because we know it's true, right? No one's going to buy from us because we have a quota to meet. And so they're not going to buy from you because you need the money. And they're not even going to buy from you because you're a really nice person and you believe in what you do. Nope, they're not going to buy for any of those reasons. They're going to buy from you only because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And in a free market-based economy, uh, and when I say free market, I, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with one another. People do it, do business with one another, buy, sell, trade, what have you, on their own volition. In a free market-based economy, that's the only reason why anyone should buy from any of us, because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. Um, and so how do we get to that point. Well, we place our focus on them, right? Because that's yeah. where it needs to be. I mean, when you think about it, what is selling? Really, selling is simply determining or discovering what the other person wants, needs, or desires and helping them to get it. So the focus must be on them. That's the go-giver way of selling. And, uh, and as you said, there are five laws that are attached to this. They are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Um, let's start with, uh, um, uh, the law of value law of value simply says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Uh, what does that mean? You know, because that, that can sound a little bit, um, kind of intuitive, right? Give more in value sure, than yeah. I take in payment. I mean, isn't that a recipe for bankruptcy, right? <laughs> well, no, we simply have to understand the, the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's, it's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth to someone, so much value that they will willingly, again, free market, they will willingly exchange their money for this and be ecstatic that they did. Can I give you a, a very quick example? Please do. Yeah. Okay. Let's say um, you hire an accountant to do your taxes, your tax returns. Um, and this accountant charges $1,000. That's his fee or his, literally his price, $1,000. But what value is he providing in exchange? Well, first, through his years of study and practice and his, his uh, skill set, through his discovering your needs, your wants, your desires, getting to know your business, its inner workings, he's able to, to save you $5,000 in taxes. Uh, he also saves you countless hours of time that frees you up to do what you should be doing, what you want to be doing. He also provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of, uh, knowing that everything's okay. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And so what he's, what he's done is he's given you well over $5,000 in use value in exchange for a thousand dollar price or cash value. He's given you more in value than what he took in payment. So you feel great about it, obviously. And he also made a very, very healthy profit, which he should. 
Uh, that's really the law of value uh, at its at its very essence. Uh, it, it also again ties in very congruently with with free market economics because uh, it, it because the the main um, I guess you could say embodiment of a the main characteristic, if you will, of a free market exchange is that both parties, the buyer and the seller, come away better off after the transaction than they were before the transaction. And, you know, how did we get to this point where where this accountant was able to uh, provide that kind of value? Well, he focused on you. Not on him. He was not focused on his fee. He was focused on you. His fee was a result of that great focus. This is why we say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must come first. The focus on them must come first. The, the money you receive is simply a very direct uh, result of the, the value you've provided. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes great sense. And I think the the really good portion of this that I think is I hope is not lost on on my listeners in the future, but when they start when they start when they start wanting to implement these business ideas and start doing things that they're passionate about, what is really counterintuitive about your thoughts is that and it and it's it's obvious when you start thinking about it is that you have to be others focused. You have to get your mindset off of how do I do something that's going to make me money? How am I going to do something that's going to make me be in a, in a better position as opposed to saying, how do I provide value? And when I provide value, there's, there is some benefit on the back end to me, but until I can figure out how to provide a decent value there, I don't really have a monetary proposition I can give to somebody. And I think that's a better way of thinking about it as people start what they're doing, what they love is figuring out what is your value proposition? How do you mm -hmm. how do you come up with a, a desired value that you want to provide somebody so that you have legs to your idea or your startup exactly. or whatever? And that's where but, your book is so excellent on those thoughts. Oh uh, well, thank you. Um, Ed, just very quickly, uh, the the other laws, the law of, of um, compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives we touch with the exceptional value we provide, the more money with which we'll be rewarded. Mm -hmm. The uh, Our accountant has done a great job of of giving more in value than what he took in payment. And if you're his, his uh, client, you probably feel great about him. You would uh, do business with him again, and most likely you'd refer him to others, and his other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And the more mm -hmm. people whose lives he's able to impact with that value, the, the more income he's going to earn. Law number three, the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, counterintuitive, perhaps even sounds uh, counterproductive or even Pollyanna-ish. Very much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yet you think about it, Travis, the greatest leaders, top influencers, highest money-earning salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. Again, they're always looking to, to bring value to and to build those people whose lives they they touch. Now, let me qualify this for a second because I think this is really important because it can easily be misunderstood. And I love this law by the way. This is one of my favorites because it is so counterintuitive. Thank you. And and most 
leaders really like this law and be in because it's what they embody. But here's the thing. When we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean you should be anyone's doormat. Uh, or that you should be a martyr or that you should be self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply as Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of business, of sales, of leadership, of influence is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful or more effective way to elicit those kinds of feelings toward you in others than by genuinely uh, moving from what we call an I focus or me focus to an other focus. Looking for ways to, as, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story, told Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. And as you do that, and you have the reputation, right, for for doing that, you become that go-to person in your community. And, uh, you know, this is when business becomes a lot more fun, a lot less stressful, and a lot more profitable. Yeah, and sticking on that point, I think, so let me ask you this as a follow-up. If you're starting out, how how does one starting out, a brand new entrepreneur or leader or whatever, how would you suggest to them they build that influence quickly by providing that type of value? How how would they do that? I mean, what would you recommend for somebody who's starting out? Well, if someone's starting out as an entrepreneur, if they're if they're starting out as a as a you know owning a business, wherever they are, they need to meet people. And they need to get around the places where people are going to be who who might possibly be their customers and clients and or be possible referral sources. And they need to begin building these relationships. But again, you, you build these relationships not by going up to them and asking them for business. You, you build these relationships by focusing on them. Uh, for example, how do you add value to someone in an initial conversation? Well, you focus on them and ask questions and let them talk about themselves. Uh, I often I'll ask my audiences, hey, have you ever been in a conversation with someone who let you do practically all the talking? And it probably doesn't happen often, but we've all been there where, you know, once or twice where we've been in that kind of conversation where someone really just focused on us, let us do all the talking. And then I'll say, didn't you come away from that conversation thinking to yourself, wow, what a fascinating conversationalist <laughs> yeah. that person is, right? Yeah. And so that, you know, that's a good start. Now, how do you do that? Well, I have questions that I suggest that people use. I call these questions feel good questions because they're simply meant to establish a, an authentic rapport with this person. Uh, they're not, they're not salesy in nature. They're not prospecting in nature. They're not intrusive. They're not invasive. They're feel good questions. In other words, these questions will cause someone to feel good about themselves, about the situation and about you. So let's say you meet someone, uh, you know, at, it could be a chamber of commerce meeting, could be a charity event, could be your kid's ball game, uh, or the PTA meeting, or it could be anywhere. Uh, and you've met this person, his name is Gary. He sells copying machines and, and, uh, you might say, uh, Gary, how did you get started selling copying machines? Or how did you get your start as an office products professional? Well, that's not a, it's not a slick question. It's not a clever question. In fact, it's pretty mundane. But people love answering that question. Why? Because 
they get to talk about themselves. You're making them the star. You're communicating to them, I'm interested in you. I want to know your story. And let me ask, Travis, I mean, how many people ask that person how they got their start in probably, business? I mean, zero, probably. I mean, probably their own yeah. family probably doesn't, you know, ask. Yeah. And so, so you're asking. And as opposed to you being that person who takes out your business card, sticks it in their face and says, hey, you know, I do this and that, right? And so uh, you're asking him how he got his start. And uh, the next feel-good question sort of is a follow-up on that. Uh, and it sounds something like, what do you enjoy most about what you do? It might be more like, wow, you must have had some fascinating experiences over the years. What do you enjoy most about what you do, right? And so this is, again, it's a feel-good question. It, it elicits a feel-good response. That flies in the face of a lot of traditional sales teaching where we're supposed to immediately find their pain, right? Reach into their heart and tear it out so we can <laughs> come to their rescue. And again, that's probably going to do nothing more than turn that person off because they don't know you well enough yet. Now, one question I love to add, this is not one of the, the, the feel good questions, but this is its own separate question. Uh, I call it the one key question that will separate you from practically everyone else this person's ever met. And the question goes like this, Gary, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with, uh, is a good prospect for you? Okay. Uh, Marilyn, that's really interesting what you do. How can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good prospect for you? Uh, David, I, I always love connecting good people with other good people. How can I know if someone I'm speaking with would be a good prospect for you? And again, what you've done in this situation, first of all, is uh, again, you've, you've shown yourself to be someone of value, someone interested in them, but the way you frame the question, they understand that your desire is to actually help them to find new business, something that means a lot to them. And you've asked them to, 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 to show you how, so let's, let's play it out one quick second. You've said to Gary, who sells copying machines, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good prospect for you? And he says, well, if you're ever in an office and you notice a copying machine and next to that copying machine is a waste paper basket, which is filled to the rim and just overflowing with crumpled up pieces of paper, that's a really good sign that copying machine's been breaking down a lot lately. And that would be an excellent prospect for me. So now Gary has shown you, he's told you how to look out for him, how to make your win about his win. And you've just begun a relationship. Now, obviously, there's more to it. There's the follow-up, the follow-through, mm -hmm. but very systemized and very – but that's just a, a beginning as to how you will start to build relationships with people. And you do this on a constant, consistent basis, and in virtually no time at all, you are building a very, very powerful network. Yeah, I think those are excellent thoughts as you as people are considering starting really in, in any field. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean business or – but if you want to be a leader, you want to be a leader, you need to know about other people and you need to have you need to have relative interest. And in, in really what you what you recommend is having a significant interest in other people and their interests uh, really kind of really kind of makes you an attractive person to be around uh, much more so than if you just go in it. Hey, look what I can do. Look at me. Look at me. And that's an, those are excellent thoughts. So you what's Thank the you. fourth? What's the fourth law in the, the out of the five? Sure. This is the law of authenticity. And this one simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, in the story, Deborah Davenport, one of the mentors, shared a very important lesson she learned. And that is 
all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and absolutely they are very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, as, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel safe with you. Uh, they begin to know you and like you and trust you. And they, they, they are much more likely to want to be in relationship with you, to do business with you, to refer you to others. So being authentic, being yourself is, is not only good life practice, it's good business practice. And, you know, we, it brings up the question, why do so many people not show up as themselves? Why are they not authentic? And uh, we might be um, inclined to think, well, because they're not honest or they're trying to pull one over. And, you know, it's a big world. There's all sorts of people. There's certainly some people like that. But I don't think that's it most of the time. Most of the time, Travis, it's simply that they don't feel well, they don't have the self-confidence to uh -huh. show up authentically. And let's face it, it's hard to show up authentically when you don't think you have anything authentic uh -huh. to show up for, right? Sure. And, and that's why it's so important that people understand their authentic value. Now, I believe as human beings, we all have two types of value. One is what I call intrinsic value. That simply means that as a human being, you naturally bring value to the table, sure. okay? But we also have what I call market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allow you to add value to the marketplace in a way that you will be financially rewarded. Uh, the difficulty is that we're human beings. <laughs> and as such, it's often difficult for us to recognize that value yeah. in ourselves, mm -hmm. right? To yeah. us, it's just, well, this is what, who I am. This is what I do. Everyone can do this. And I can't tell you how often I've mentored a person who you know, it, uh, it tells me what they've been doing. It's so, wow, that's great. That's fantastic. And they say, oh, no, no, everyone does. Everyone can do that. And they were not being falsely modest by any means. They really, to them in their world, that's what people do. But they didn't realize, you know, different because that's yeah. all they know. That's why having a coach can be so important. And 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 whether it's whether it's uh, formal or just the person at the desk next to you or your your supervisor or uh you know so whoever it is, someone who someone who cares about you but also is not emotionally attached to you because you don't want them to not be able to kind of see the forest for the trees, right? Sure. And and so that's why it's got to be someone who can really recognize those unique, uh, what, as Mike Littman refers to them as assets of value that you bring to the table. And one other point, if I, if I may, I think sometimes authenticity is confused with not feeling the need to grow and to learn and make ourselves better. And that couldn't be furthest from the truth. You know, it's, it's sort of like the person who says, well, uh, uh, I have anger problems and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. <laughs> well, that's malarkey. That's hogwash. It simply means that person has an authentic problem uh, that they need to uh, work on sure, <laughs> in yeah. order to become uh -huh. a more effective, authentic mm -hmm. human being. So no, uh, the sages of old said, uh, they asked who is, who is wise? And they answered that person who learns from all others. Mm -hmm. And we can always 
continue to learn and grow. Uh, it might be from people who we know and admire, or it might be from books we read, or it might be from uh, videos over the internet, or it might be from whatever. There's lots of, uh, you know, I mean, I consider one of my mentors to be Benjamin Franklin. I mean, right? You know, I've read books about him. I've read his book. I've studied his, you know, uh, we can find mentors and coaches. We can learn from everyone everywhere. Yeah. And, and really, uh, that's what authenticity is about. It, it, it's about growing, continuing to grow into your true authentic potential. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, this is a unique opportunity for people because I, in my, my own mind, when I'm being honest with myself, I love being around people that can be themselves. And sometimes mm -hmm. that may be annoying. It may grind on us a little bit that somebody is a certain way. Uh, that's ne ne probably neither here nor there. But the point is that somebody that's living their authentic authentic selves are very attractive to be around. They're a lot of fun. They don't worry about whether people's opinions are of them. They don't, they don't mm -hmm. care. You know, this is a great for entrepreneur who's being told by everybody. Why are you doing that? You shouldn't start that. You have experts surrounding you all the time, but when you have a passion for something, you really ought to give yourself a shot to, to fulfill that passion, do what you authentically want to do. And, uh, and you dream about and go out and just figure out a way to make it happen. Sure. Um, that authenticity is, is such a huge value, not just in sales, but just in general as, as a life principle, you have yeah. real, real intrinsic value and market value. And, and uh, I agree with that wholly as a, as an encouragement to people to find what those things are and, and go after them with, with, with not with abandon, but at least with, with some level of a plan of how you'd like to get to where you want to be. Yeah, great. Very well put. Absolutely. And Bob, so really quick mentorship, I think is a crucial, is a crucial point. I think having mentors in your life is, is unbelievably important to have somebody who can bounce things off, help you figure out who your authentic self looks like, help you figure out kind of, uh, help you go down the, the right paths and give you some life experience advice. Can you talk a little bit about why mentorship is so important, important to you from your perspective? Well, I think what mentorship does is it cuts your learning curve. Yeah. Uh, it also, you know, it, it provides you with, um, it provides you in a sense with a, a, a cushion of wisdom. Um, and the neat thing about it is there are many people who have really made it, done some great work and done wonderful things and they love being mentors. They love being able to share yep. their knowledge with, with, with someone. I think what happens uh, a lot of times though, is meant that the term mentorship almost gets commoditized. And so when people reach out to someone who they'd like to have mentor them, it might be someone who, you know, of course they admire or someone who, and it's, it's so much easier these days to contact someone, to get in touch. And someone will just say, Hey, will you be my mentor? And mm -hmm. I, I think what happens is they, they don't understand, they don't realize that a mentor-protege relationship is just that. It's a relationship, and it takes time to develop. And when you just approach someone with whom you don't yet have a relationship and say, hey, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to start a new business, or would you be my mentor? Well, it's almost like asking someone, you know, hey, will you share 30 years of knowledge with me, of wisdom, <laughs> and even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall? So. I would say if you want to, if Wait, you does want that more, to, does that not work by the way? I didn't, <laughs> it could, I mean, probably it does every so often, but kidding. I wouldn't yeah, bet yeah, on it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it. 
Um, but what you can do is you can you pretty much can reach out to practically anyone and in, 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 a, in a very uh, you know humble way, uh, simply say that you know what you're doing and that you understand you know I understand you're very busy and if this is not appropriate or the right time I would totally understand. I'd love to ask you maybe one or two very specific questions. Now, when you do that, you've you've honored that person. You've um, you know, you've respected the process, if you will. And most people like that, because it doesn't sound like you just want something for, you know, like you're just asking for them to, you're at one or, you know, ask one or two questions. You've let them know that it's not something that you feel entitled to, but that you understand they're busy. Most people will, not everyone, but most people will say, sure, go, you know, go right ahead. And then you ask that question, that one or two questions. Now, of course, we should only ask a question that we couldn't know from having researched them, right? I mean, there's sure. no excuse for that. We need to research them thoroughly and and know that this question we're asking is something we could. And so, um, and and then you want to let them know how appreciative you are. I would that day write a handwritten personalized mm-hmm. note of thanks to that person. Just very brief, just thanking them for their time and sharing their wisdom. And you look forward to putting their advice to, to work and you'll let them know, you know, you'll keep in touch and let them know. I would even suggest... Um, you know, and of course, you know their favorite charity or cause because you you look them up and and make a small doesn't have to be big make a small donation in their name to that charity. Uh, they will be notified of that, and you're not doing that to kiss up or anything, but again, just to let them know to communicate the fact that you appreciate them and you want to be able to add value or provide value to them in in some way. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you know three weeks later, a month later, you write them back or you call or what have you, and and you. You know, report on what happened, ask another question. And again, the relationship begins to develop. And yeah. over time, you might have a real great mentor-protege relationship, and, and or it might not. It, it might mm-hmm. be someone else, or it might. And that also, you know, it sort of goes into law of receptivity, law number five, and that is the willingness to be able to receive. And, uh, you know, the story, Joe, is 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 told that it's, it's not a matter of you know, just breathing out or breathing in, right? We've got to do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that's important because the messages we get from whether it's the media or from schooling or the general public or whatever is uh, is very negative when it comes to prosperity, when it comes to money, when it comes to business and so forth. And it can really get inside someone's head and, and most dangerously on an unconscious level. And you begin to think that if you're prosperous, it must be because you did it on the backs of others or because you did this or that, you know. And hey, there's all, again, there's all kinds of people out there. But yeah. by and large, uh, you know, unless you're trying to uh, – uh, by special rules and regulations, you know, as a, uh, as a lobbyist, uh, you know, on K street or in the state, uh, 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 house or what have you. And I'm sure you have people around there all the time that you see, oh, yeah. uh, right. And, and, you know, but that aside, if you're operating in a free market type environment where no one has to do business with you, the only way you can make a lot of money is to serve a lot of people and serve them very well, putting their interests first. And so we need to know that giving and receiving, Travis, are not opposite concepts. Mm -hmm. They are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. The the question then is not, am I a giver or a receiver? It's, 
you're a giver and a receiver, but you understand that the focus must be on the giving. The focus must be on the giving of value to others. And as you do these things, you've created the environment for for good to come to you, and then you've got to be open to receiving it. That's excellent stuff. And I really, really, like I said, The Go-Giver is an excellent book uh, that has these principles and these thoughts in it. So I, I would recommend people go and, and read that. They can find it at thegogiver.com. And Bob, thank you so much for giving me time. I know uh, very thankful that after screwing up the, the audio the first time that you'd give me a second shot. And I really oh, appreciate that. It's that, totally, absolutely my pleasure. It's always, you're, you're a great guy. Well, it's always excellent to get to talk with you and interact with you. And I hope to get down to Jupiter again. It's beautiful down there. And hopefully uh, I can get you breakfast this next time. Absolutely. We've got a spot at the <laughs> Juno Beach Cafe just waiting for you. Oh, it's great. Well, Bob, thank you again for your time. I know it's, it's precious and I appreciate you giving me some of it. Uh, thank you, Travis. Thanks, my friend.